So, today we're kicking off the show with talking about mobster movies. Because you can never have enough mobster movies. Right, Mark the Shark Hinton? Mobster movies, aside from just, you know, horror movies, that's kind of... That's my peanut butter and jam, son. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough mobster horror movies, though. You know, that's actually... Um, Something that I have legitimately thought about in great detail, especially after watching Sopranos and they made it to like the sixth season and Chris had made the the Cleaver movie. Oh yeah, I remember that. I was just like, why aren't there more mobster horror movie? There's a really shitty vampire mobster movie that I remember. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but I do remember that like when the vampires in that movie would get hit by the sunlight and they would like disintegrate, they actually would uh, end up burning like a cigarette. That's what they looked like when they burned. <laughs> no, it was really cool though. Cause they looked like lava. Okay. They were like a, a burnt ember that would just eventually just crispy fry all their skin and they turned into ashes. Okay. So one sort of maybe would be a mobster movie. It would definitely include maybe some mafia, but the werewolves of wall street, of course, I've heard of that. <laughs> I refused to say that out loud. <laughs> the other one, we actually mentioned this in the podcast early on, Bonnie and Clyde versus Dracula. Oh my God, dude. Some of the movies that they've made, like you remember back in the thirties and forties when they were making all the universal monster movies. And then all of a sudden everybody at universal just got real drunk on fucking absinthe. And they're like, let's just put Abbott and Costello in everything. In literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, Abbott and Costello meet the IRS. Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. Abbott and Costello meet themselves. Like, it was just, okay, guys, stop it. Fuck. Yeah, unfortunately, this was from, like, 2017 or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it was real poor. When you're purposely doing that, dude, Bonnie and Clyde versus Dracula, but there will be nothing. Speaking, this is the other side of gangster. It's still along the same line, but bloods versus zombies or something like that and it was bloods with a z of course so it's like the and they're vampires there was also vampires yeah vampire can we just there's so many okay so maybe there are a whole lot of like gangster horror movies <laughs> but maybe the reason that we're like why aren't there any of them is because they're all like two dollars at the dollar they suck yeah they're they're terrible yeah they're really bad god yeah they're so bad that the dollar tree sells them for more than anything else they sell in two of the dollar on the other side of the spectrum what's the best what is the best mobster movie ever is it goodfellas the best mobster movie or my favorite those are two different answers i guess both we might as well i mean yeah (laughs) Best mobster movie, Godfather Part Two. I mean, I'm yeah. on that 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 hype train because it just is so good. Favorite is Goodfellas. And actually, like when reading about the uh, subject of our podcast today, uh, I ended up falling down this fucking rabbit hole on the internet, and it was like, oh, I'm going to read about uh, this right here, and then somehow I'm going to end up reading about every single dude that was in Goodfellas. <laughs> that kicks ass. It's so easy to do. It's like, especially I've noticed in the last, uh, we've been doing this for a year, this month actually, I've been doing this podcast and I've realized it's like you start on the serial killer trail and it's like, ooh, okay, I want to learn about this. And you're like, oh, this guy also fucked heads. Oh, okay. Well, this guy that fucked heads also stored dead bodies in weird ways in his house. Oh, but this guy did too. And then you just like. You're just, you're gone at that point. And then your coworkers are looking at you like, oh my fucking God, what is the matter with this guy? Yeah. And then like two months later, you're like, see this motherfucker fucked up. And then you're like, oh shit, I'm a serial killer now. Like, I just, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. The, like even earlier today, like I was talking to my coworkers and I was like, they were talking about, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing and how we're just going to have to resort to eating each other. And I was just like, 
oh well when, whenever we eat each other i've heard that the the chest meat is actually the best part of the human to eat and both of them just looked at me like what the fuck is the matter with you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah I, that, that happens all the time like i'll say something because i am a, a and i mean this from the bottom of my heart i am i am an advocate for cannibalism <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're just wasting a lot of food. Wasting so much people meat. And we need to do something with that besides just stuff it in the ground. That's true. Right? Like, if you're going to stuff it in the ground, at least do it like old school barbacoa, you know? Like, wrap it all up and then cook it in a big barbacoa cheats. If we want. (laughs) Yeah, we just pull it out of the ground and it just falls off the bone. Yeah, it just falls right off the bone. And and you get rid of the bottom. A little bit of pineapple juice. I like this. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the uh, on the mobster movies, though. I think it's hard to debate that. Like, Godfather 2 is, I think, objectively the best. And Goodfellas is probably my favorite. Although, uh, especially it comes to the topic with what we're talking about today, The Departed is up there. Like, probably top three. Yeah, uh, I just watched that, actually. Uh, when you asked me to, to fill in on the podcast, you were like, oh, yeah, who are we going to do it on? And I was like, these people and then i forgot about the podcast and then watched the departed and then the next day you're like hey are you still gonna do the podcast with me i was like oh shit i forgot but subconsciously i must have known because i watched the departed last night so let's go ahead and get started so welcome to episode 44 of the curly mustache podcast i'm steven and joining me today my buddy mark the shark hinton and former co-host of motion picture meltdown and me and him have not podcasted together for what eight years since harold ramus died because i had a uh, okay that's right i had a legends clause in my contract like hulk hogan uh that when i left i would come back but only when someone died yeah i mean i remember every <laughs> there were a couple episodes here and there that you just popped up in like after you for good i i specifically remember the harold ramus and the robin williams podcasts and i specifically remember the teenage Mutant ninja turtles podcast yeah where in turtles 3 they call them the kappa which are just butthole-sucking demons, essentially. I mean, we don't know what the Ninja Turtles do in their own time. I don't think we should be kink-shaming We shouldn't. You're right. Yeah. Donatello likes to lick butthole and sucks holes out. I mean, go for it. Yeah. That's why I like him. That's why he's my favorite turtle. Yeah, he sucks buttholes. In case this is your first episode with us, what we do here is we take one real-life villain, one fictional villain, we talk about their crimes, their histories, motives, uh, any connections the two might have, and at the end of the episode, we cap it off with kind of talking about whether or not they're redeemable with our trusty bowler hat scale. And uh, as Joel is off uh, being fucking just locked away in Ireland at this point, he fucking went for a vacation, and now he just can't come back. I mean, I don't know if they're going to let him back, but he's really worried about it. He's like, oh, fuck, Like, is Trump just going to make me stay here now? Yes, he is. He just said that for at least the next 30 days, fuck you. You can't come from from Europe into the United States. Fuck. I think the United Kingdom has a pass, but I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When he does get back, I'm sure he's going to be locked into a, a room for like 60 hours and just be really fucking happy about it. Oh, God, he's going to have to do the podcast from behind glass like a, in prison. <laughs> I hope you do it as a video podcast and you just see people coming in there swabbing him in hazmat suits. And- swabbing his butthole, obviously. Ooh, just infected Joel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mark, thank you for joining me and filling in this week. I had Phil and Cheats help me last week whenever we talked about evil mad scientists. And so this week, instead of serial killers, uh, Joel asked me not to 
do any of the heavy hitters, but I'll let you pick the villains for us this week. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our villains to the audience? When Steven, in his wonderful kindness, uh, hit me up and said, hey, you fat bastard, do you want to do this podcast? Do you have any ideas? I was like, man, who do I want to? And just it didn't take but a couple of seconds. I was like, you know what? Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger, James Whitey Bulger, the infamous mobster, Irish mafia kingpin, whatever you want to call him. And then his pop culture counterpart, Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed, Frank Costello, which I'm going to go ahead and point out. Frank Costello, that name ends in a vowel, which I don't believe there's such thing as any Irish name that ends in a vowel. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. that is an Italian fucking name. Yeah, I think it should be like Costelloc. <laughs> yeah. O- O-C-H at the end or something like that. Oh, yeah, spelled like A-U-G, Costelloc. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I mean, straight up, just the name makes no sense to me. I don't understand why that was ever done. I know that I think the screenplay of The Departed was based off of a book, uh, but Jack Nicholson's character was actually like an amalgamation of a couple of characters with Whitey Bulger being the major influence on his character's, you know, demeanor and everything. There's a few things that character is based on, and we'll definitely dive into that, like, once we get into him. Let's go ahead and get started with Whitey Bulger. Uh, James Whitey Bulger. Because he fucking hated being called Whitey. Fucking hated it. <laughs> he was a Jim. He wanted to be called Jim or Jimmy. And you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I have to go out and say this. Like, this guy who was this big mafia boss, not mafia, excuse me, Irish crime organization leader. Uh, we like to call those um, uh, managers. Yes. Waste management. Waste management. Yes. Whitey hated being called Whitey. wanted to be called Jim or Jimmy. And I have this firm belief that you don't get to pick your own nickname. No, it's you don't. You don't get to do that. And if a guy who was convicted of murdering a whole bunch of people and running a bunch of rackets and completely fooling the entire fucking FBI for decades uh, doesn't get to pick his nickname, guess what? You don't either. (laughs) It's true. I agree with you. Now, he also wanted to be called Boots because he would uh, routinely walk around in these big-ass cowboy boots and hide switchblades in them. He wanted to be a Boston greaser, an Irish greaser. That's what it sounds like. He just wanted cowboy boots with a switchblade in them, which is like as Stephen King villain as you can get. Like needful things or some shit. Yeah. Or insomnia. But uh, so yeah, uh, as we said, he's a Irish-American crime boss, eventually an FBI informant, which we'll get to. Uh, and he led the Winter Hill Gang in Somerville, Massachusetts, which was basically South Boston area. Yep. And uh, he was born in 1929. Uh, His father was from Newfoundland, and uh, his mother was an Irish immigrant. And his life actually started off kind of okay. Not your typical, like, sociopath childhood until his dad lost his arm at work. You gotta think, this is, like, early, early 1930s. So if you're a man in the 1930s in America and you lose your arm and can't do manual labor, like, your family is just fucked. Yeah, because, I mean, you got a blue-collar people. You got an Irish immigrant family family, and a guy from Newfoundland, obviously, living in the United States. So he's going to have to take and do whatever work that he can, and he had that taken away from him. And his arm. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, his work and his arm. He will not get those back. And so this basically forced uh, Whitey as a, you know, teenager, even a kid, like, I mean, we call 13-year-olds teenagers, but they're fucking children. Even as a kid, he was basically working the streets, not as like a prostitute or anything, but just doing small crimes to like take care of his family. His his brother and sister went to school and, and made good grades, and he was like, I think I'm just going to do crimes and steal stuff. Uh, 
I well, that's what's weird is like he seemed for the most part to come from a fairly standard American upbringing for that time being. You know, I mean, it was Depression era, World War II era, all that. Like it, it, the United States was in an incredibly weird area, and you got this kid who has no choice but to grow up and help change. You know, take care of his family. And his way of doing that was to just be gangster as fuck about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he's kind of a product of his environment, too, because after his dad lost his arm, they lost their house. They had to move to South Boston Projects. Yeah. And that's that was a really horrible part of the city at that point. That's where people went to do crimes. <laughs> it's very well known, that area. I mean, there's so many movies based off of around that, like what, the, the town with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner about the armored truck robberies and bank robberies and stuff like it is insane the kind of stuff that goes on in south boston and they touch on that in the departed quite a bit too basically any dennis lehane novel is set in south boston yeah and not to mention that like like all of south boston like you know you have the mafia which takes their their omerta their code of silence and then you have south boston and all the irish people there who took their own code of silence which did not involve them being inducted into any sort of anything they just shut the fuck up and minded their own business yeah they weren't weren't blabbers for the most part they didn't seem to be as blabby as italian mob no man they seemed to hold it pretty much together for a real long time it wasn't until i mean even with you know whitey and all that stuff like when when people started selling heroin when the when the gangs the mafia and irish mafia and all that when they started getting into like heroin and cocaine and all that and those long prison sentences that's when problems started showing up because then like nobody cared about that code of silence nobody cared about that omerta they're like hey you're gonna get 25 years guaranteed it's like oh yeah i will tell you literally everyone that was involved I'm going to tell you about Whitey Bulger's kid and how he got in trouble in fucking kindergarten. I'm going to tell you. Honestly, it wasn't too far after kindergarten when Bulger started doing shit. Like, uh, I know I said like 13, 14, he was like doing shit, like bad shit already. But at 14, he was actually arrested for larceny. Yep. At this point, like he was already being seen by larger criminals in the area. And so, I mean, that's, it seems like that's how it works. It's like when a kid starts doing shit and like, a shittier older criminal sees him and he's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to groom this child. Yeah, it's like a super villain mentor. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do the same thing in Goodfellas with Henry Hill, Jimmy Conway, you know, or Jimmy Burke in real life, but Jimmy Burke saw Henry Hill when he was 13, 14 years old and he was like, this kid, he's got he's got a future doing crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to teach him to do crimes. It's pretty fucked up when you think about it. Obviously not to the point of like grotesqueness, but it's like pedophiles grooming children. Yeah, it's definitely indoctrination, man. Like the same thing happened with with all kinds of other stuff if you look about like the, the kind of grooming for children like you said with pedophilia religion you know oh yeah cults get get people young get people oh my god there's a cult here you guys met some kool-aid i don't really like kool-aid man we got kool-aid because children are sponges they believe whatever adults fucking tell them yeah and then then they're like oh, okay well crimes are good yeah i'm good <laughs> at this point when he was very young you know 14 15 he joined a gang a local gang called the shamrocks <laughs> because of course like it's called the shamrocks i bet you there were 14 gangs called the shamrocks and they all had to beat the shit out of each other to see who fucking kept the name who was the shamrocks yeah then there was the uh the gay porn version of that the shamcocks Ooh, shamcocks I feel like that's like sham wow but with a cock like it's just yes. a cock that cleans <laughs> Wow, that's real gross. <laughs> <laughs> My cock cleans things like a cock vacuum. I like it. Ooh. So around this time, he was uh, arrested for assault. 
forgery and armed robbery. Like, these are p- three pretty big fucking things for a 15-year-old to get arrested for. You know, he was sentenced to juvie, I think, for five years at that point. He got charged with larceny when he was, like, 14, according to uh, what I've found. And then, at some point, eventually... I think he went on to assault and forgery and then got put away for a while. But it doesn't actually say like how long he was in the juvenile reformatory or whatever the hell you want to call it. Basically, he was it was probably like an orphanage for really shitty kids. You know that it's a shitty orphanage, too, because it's the 1930s. And you know what? Like something that I have noticed here is like, because I mean, right after he got out, he joined the Air Force. That's a common thing that gangsters used to do back then, too, because they would the military so it would pull any sort of like government or you know the authoritative heat off of them like cops or the government and they did that and henry hill from you know the goodfellas fame like not only did he join the military like he actually like went and just beat the shit out of a whole bunch of marines by himself and then stole a sheriff's car and then they were fine with this it. is some straight southern indiana shit yeah like, it's fucking weird. <laughs> like, the mafia got away with everything that it's it's insane that like these sorts of criminals got into so much shit and so many evil things. And then they don't even, they don't, they don't even get in trouble for it for like 40 years. Yeah. It's fucked up. Well, even when he was in the air force, like I know he was like arrested by air force police for fucking up some people. Right. He, he assaulted like other cadets and shit. And I know that he was honorably discharged. How the fuck did he get an honorable discharge after being arrested multiple times for assault <laughs> in the air force? And he went AWOL. I think he wasn't arrested for the assaults. I think he was arrested for going AWOL. Yeah, he spent time in the military prison for the assaults. So, I mean, he was definitely arrested for it. But then went AWOL. Oh, that's what that's what really aggravated them. It's not the fact that, like, he was stone cold stunning everybody yeah. in the fucking Air Force. But it didn't aggravate them too much. Yeah, n- not enough. And you know what's really weird? Like, you look at these guys, and of course, you know, if you've seen Whitey Bulger, most of you have probably seen the the, the movie Black Mass, which is, I, I mean, all things considered, not not a, a terrible over-exaggeration of what was going on. You know, I say that knowing that there was a bunch of crazy shit in there that didn't really happen. But I feel like how Whitey Bulger was in life was how Johnny Depp played him. Like, he was so creepy in that movie, gross and I've yucky just eat. i've actually never seen it you're a piece of shit yeah <laughs> thank you yeah yeah <laughs> i haven't had a chance uh well i mean i've had a chance uh, this is what happens when instead of watching black mass i watch things like all of the hellraiser movies <laughs> i'm gonna watch all the howling movies and text mark about it and bitch about how terrible they are no i own all of them <laughs> and i'm like i, I know I know, I know they're bad black mass is a pretty good movie and a uh, funny little fact uh, i've got a friend of mine who uh a friend of someone she works with is the director of that movie, Black Mass. Oh, sweet. Yeah, she got her son uh, a signed copy of the Blu-ray a couple years back. Signed by Johnny Depp? No, signed by the director. Oh, uh, that's not a Yeah, thing. well, I mean, not Johnny Depp. Not to mention the fact, like, I mean, Johnny Depp is such a weird fuck, he would probably sign it by licking it, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, in 1956, this was after he was discharged from the Air Force, he was actually arrested again, and this time sentenced to federal prison for armed robbery and hijacking. And this is where you kind of get the whole, he was mind-controlled. So he took part in the CIA's MK Ultra program uh, and given mind-controlled drugs and like LSD for 18 months 
basically uh, for a reduced sentence. Yeah, for a reduced sentence, and they dosed him over 50 times and in extremely high dosages and everything. But you know what? I'm not sure how much of that I believe. See, I'm kind of on the other side of the fence because the CIA were pieces of shit. Well, no, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. But, you know, th- these sorts of criminals, criminals like Whitey Bulger, you know, your, your real sociopaths, the psychopaths, where they're so good at finessing the truth and mixing in lies and changing things. They are good at lying. Yeah, they're really good at it. I mean, he even admits it. Like, there's stuff... After he was in prison... uh for a while, he was actually writing letters back and forth with one of the jurors from his trial, and he was talking to this juror, somebody interviewing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but like he was talking to someone, he kept saying, like, don't get too close. I'm a master manipulator. Like, he knew it. He knew he was good at that. Yeah, we ran into some of that with, uh, we did an episode on Vinny Ocean, the mobster that Tony Soprano is based on. That was a big thing with him, too, was like nobody knew who, when the fuck he was telling the truth and when he was lying because. He seamlessly flowed between the two. That's a scary person. And you got to think about this because what Whitey Bulger ended up doing, you know, which I mean, we'll get to the the full meat of it, but what Whitey Bulger ended up doing is he ended up working, air quote, for the FBI, but really he used the FBI to control Boston because up until he did that, he was a nobody. Like, yeah, he was doing crimes and people knew who he was, but he wasn't in control of much of anything. Like, he was just, a low-level guy. Yeah, we really haven't even gotten to, like, when he becomes a popular mobster. I mean, he really hasn't at this point. He's just an asshole doing criminal shit. Like, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so he beat the shit out of people while he was in prison. Now, he did say that he was given this the LSD and stuff, and he was told that it was a cure for his schizophrenia, which is what they said that he had. Yeah, but he didn't have schizophrenia. They just told him that they were looking for a cure for schizophrenia, so they lied to him from the beginning. I mean, he, he got manipulated, and here's the thing. Like, what if that's where all that manipulation came from? They manipulated him so badly in prison that in his head, he was like, never the fuck again. Yeah. I will be the one who does this. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that's too far from the truth no. because considering everything that he did over the course of the next fucking 40 years, there's no, he cannot blame MK Ultra <laughs> for anything that he was doing. Because if he can blame MK Ultra for everything that he did, then MK Ultra is actually a super villain creator. Because if he was a nobody before that, then what it did is it turned him into some like military mafia street strategy. I'm kind of not against that idea though i feel like mk ultra is his supervillain creator I, yeah it really is because i mean if you think <laughs> about that guy from the the cia who did that stuff dude he's really reminiscent. yeah sydney gottlieb and then he uh god he reminds me of the uh the crazy professor that was in the asylum what was oh, his name uh, dr strange yes yeah or professor strange, professor strange. yeah 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 that's true yeah, so he was actually sent to Alcatraz for nine years after this whole MK Ultra thing. When he got out, he started off as kind of a janitor and then a construction worker um, before kind of weaseling his way into being a bookmarker and a loan shark for Donald Killeen, who uh, was basically like a big shit mobster in South Boston for around 20 years or so. Bulger was kind of assigned by Killeen like to as his initiation and kind of getting his feet wet as like a major member of the Killeen gang was to murder a rival member of uh, another gang called the Mullen gang and the fucking idiot ended up killing 
the guy's brother by mistake. Well, I mean, if they were really smart, they probably wouldn't all be criminals. So uh, make a fair point. There's that to think about. It's like here, I need you to go kill this guy. Oh, okay. I mean, that's what he gets for having a mobster brother, though. Honestly, fair. Uh, well, I mean, he uh, was he. Oh no, that's right. Because uh, yeah, after he killed the dude, he was like, ah, he was gonna die anyway. Fuck him. He was a smoker. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Fuck him. He was a smoker. Like that was the thing. Like Whitey Bulger over the course of his criminal career. Whenever he got rid of people, it was people who were in his way. It was other criminals. Like, damn near everybody that he killed was a rival criminal, which goes back to, like, thinking about people like Al Capone. Back back when Al Capone was huge, nobody would rat on Al Capone because Al Capone didn't kill neighbors down the street. Al Capone killed assholes that the whole fucking city hated. Right. So everybody loved him. I'm like, ah, uh, fuck him. He got rid of other gangsters, uh, so nobody cares. And that was pretty much what Whitey Bulger did. So I think that that that's a pretty good reason too why there wasn't a whole lot done. This whole like killing this guy's brother. This was kind of in the center of this gang war between the Killeens and the and the Mullins. And the Mullins were just a stronger gang. They had more guys. They had more guns. They had better advantage points, more connections through the police. Like they were just a better gang. So at this point, uh, Bulger he kind of stepped back a little bit and decided to kind of tuck his tail and run to an even bigger gang called the Winter Hill Gang. And at this point, he approached Howie Winter, and basically, Winter was like, holy shit, this guy is like, this is what we want. In fact, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, he said, Bulger could teach the devil tricks. And that's the thing, like anything that anybody ever says about him, they're like, oh, he could get you to do anything. He could get you to do anything. I mean, and anybody. I mean, obviously, that's the truth. If he bamboozled the fucking FBI for as long as he did. And it was a guy who was his childhood friend. So he had to have known right then. He's like, I got this dude, you know, knew he had him under his thumb immediately. Well, he was also extremely good at intimidating too. I I think I had read, this was after he had been outed as an informant. I had read that uh, there was an editor that kept writing shit about Bulger and uh, Bulger just walked straight up to him and he was like, if you write one more thing about me, I'm going to blow your fucking head off. And then he just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, write one more fucking foul thing about me and I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I will blow your head off. Brutal. So at this point, Winter, he wasn't really known as kind of like a forceful gang leader. But when Bulger came into the picture, Bulger's, it was his job to persuade winter to basically murder anybody that stepped over the line and that's what he did he's like hey i can end this gang war and i know how to do it and they killed the colleen just let me kill him yep and then then that's it and that's how whitey bulger did business if you were in his way here's where i think bulger fucked up a little bit though is like uh, he was just too much of a loose cannon so after him and uh the main colleen guy that came over with him to the winter hill gang they were put in charge of south boston at this point and bulger got kind of political with it so it's it's no secret the dude was a huge fucking racist you know he was an an irish white idiot from the 1920s <laughs> you know born in the 1920s yeah irish white super ignorant born in the southie pro or yeah, basically raised in the southie project during you know the depression and right after the depression and all that so yeah he had a pretty rough upbringing and that area as far as like the racism is concerned is pretty prevalent yeah, even even to this day, it's it's weird that a New England city like that has the racism that it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny because when, when it came to politics at that point, desegregation, was they were getting that done fast up there because it was the North. Like that was when schools were getting desegregated a lot quicker than they were obviously in Mississippi and Alabama and Kentucky, places like that. But Whitey Bulger did not like that. You know, at this point, 
he fucking set fire to an elementary school. Now, I didn't read whether or not there were kids in the elementary school whenever he set fire to it. No, because I think they did it like overnight or something like that. The anti-busing attacks back then. Like the anti-busing attacks you got, um, it was back. Yeah, they threw a Molotov cocktail into John F. Kennedy's birthplace. (laughs) That was essentially to get back at Ted Kennedy um, because he was pushing desegregation throughout Boston at that point. Yeah, pretty fucked up. So this all kind of culminated in the early 70s, around 1971, when the FBI approached him about being an informant. They were basically like, we have a lot on you. Like, why don't you just be an informant for us? He was like, eh. But you know, <laughs> the thing is, like, they approached him at first and he wouldn't do it. Right, right. But his friend... It was an Italian mobster, right? No, he. well, I mean, he joined up with uh, the Italian mobster who was an informant, uh, Stephen Fleming, who in Black Mass is a pretty big part of it. He ended up going and speaking to the FBI too, but they said they don't know how that happened. But everyone seems to believe that it was his friend John Connolly uh, and Stephen Fleming who had basically influenced him to work with the FBI. But I don't think that's what it was. I think he saw what Fleming was doing and that he could do it in a way that would benefit him, you know? Fleming was basically running a class of how to be a rat. Yeah, it was, hey, here's here's how to be a successful rat. And that's what Bulger was. And look, if you look at Black Mass, watch Black Mass, watch that movie. Everybody in that movie who rats, they flat out, they're like, I want everybody to know I'm not a rat. (laughs) Okay, I'm not a rat. And then the Arrested Development narrator comes up and says, he ratted. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Weeks wanted everyone to know that he was not a rat. But in fact, he was a rat. <laughs> and it's straight up like, it's like, I'm not a rat. Okay, but, okay, so you're telling on all your friends. What's that? <laughs> right. What uh, What the fuck else is it? It was the same shit with Michael Dowd, the, you know, the corrupt cop from, from New York that, uh, in the, in the 80s. It was the same shit with him. When, like, when he was, in, whenever they caught him and he was in the, the courtrooms and stuff and he was like, I'm not a rat. I don't rat on anybody. And then, like, the next day, it's, like, 13 more people get taken down as, as like, result of the shit that he said in court. And he's like, but I'm not a rat. I prob- I'm definitely not a rat. Just diversion, deflection. And that's something that, like, Whitey Bulger said he wasn't a rat. And the, the thing is, is that when you start reading about everything that he did for the FBI, he really wasn't. I mean, he was basically just using. Yeah, when you think about, like, what the, I guess you could consider the textbook definition of a rat is... A, a rat for the, the mob, you know, for organized crime means that this guy was arrested. The authorities approached him and said, the only way you're going to get out of this is if you give us information on the shit that's going on with the organization you're a part of. Right. That was never the case with Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger joined up because he said he could give information about the, the Italian mafia from uh, Rhode Island. He was trying to take them down, but he wasn't trying to take them down to help the fucking FBI. He was trying to take them down so he could take over their shit. So he could get them out of his way. And that's exactly what he did. So if you really think about it, he didn't rat because he wasn't telling on his own people. Later on down the road, as time went on, they cover it in the movie too. They found out that John Connolly was taking uh, these reports that had been given to them by other informants. And he was throwing Whitey Bulger's name on him saying, yeah, Whitey gave us that information. But he had never fucking done anything. So really, like, Whitey never really gave him shit that could ever fucking hurt his, the Winter Hill, Hill game. Right, and that's probably why, like, they kept building cases on him and essentially were like, 
you haven't given us the shit that we need. Yeah. So we're going to send you to fucking prison because you're a criminal. You're a fucking fugitive. Uh, well, at this point, he's a fugitive because Whitey Bulger was like, deuces, and fucking just jetted out of Boston fast as fuck in 1995. How many people, right, when he was indicted, he was indicted for murdering 19 people, and that was just for the murder. When he knew that they were coming after him, he took off, and nobody saw him for 16 fucking years. 16 years, and he stayed at the top of the, the FBI's most wanted list. I think he set some sort of record for the number of times he appeared on America's Most Wanted. And, and that was one of the things they kept wanting. Like during his trial, his his lawyers were like, hey, we should go for a insanity plea because of MK Ultra." And then everybody's like, dude, you know, he evaded the entire government and the entire country for 16 years. <laughs> that does not sound like something an insane person who did far too much acid. Right, right. So again, this goes back to MK Ultra creates supervillains. I think I'd read that like he had a reward on his head for $2 million. Because he was like second on the FBI's most wanted list next to Osama bin Laden. Yeah, that was the only person who who was over his head. Like, if you got information on Osama bin Laden or Whitey Bulger, will you just please call the same exact phone number? <laughs> well, somebody did fucking call it. It was a uh, an Icelandic woman who was living in the same neighborhood in, as him in uh, Santa Monica, California. This was in two thousand. Yeah, it was like two thousand ten or eleven, I think. Eleven. Yeah, yeah, and they they had been they had been on a manhunt essentially for since 2002 but he had fled since 95 so long time he was gone and it all came down to just this woman in the neighborhood being like i saw that guy on tv i'm a millionaire now all right so (laughs) thinking back a little bit on the fact that like he ran away for as long as he did and the thing is that he ran he had somebody with him he had his girlfriend she never ratted on him you know he had another person with him and he completely evaded the the entire this is a guy who like according to everything that you read they'll they'll flat out say in anything that you read anything that you see about him the reason that whitey bulger did what he did and managed to accomplish what he accomplished and then get away with it for as long as he did is because the fucking fbi allowed it they let it happen yeah I mean, I can see that. People act like, look, not to get too, like, hit the blunt philosophical, like, but our government sucks. <laughs> it always has. It's never like, been It good. always, fu- it has never been fucking good. All we have done, we, ha- look, Whitey Bulger just U.S. government, the fucking U.S. government. That's all he did. He used their own bullshit against them because what did the government do back in World War II? They hired the mafia, the Italian mafia, to watch all of the docks along the New England seaboard, New York, and all that, the Hudson River, because they wanted to make sure the Nazis were not fucking shipping shit into the docks. They paid the mafia. So get the fuck out of here if you don't think that, come on, like that. The government, the government is just legal mafia. Yeah, agreed. And I can't be as sympathetic or empathetic to criminals like what or to, you know, victims of criminals like Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger fucked up a whole bunch of criminals because he wanted to. The U.S. government fucked up a whole bunch of criminals because they wanted to. There's no different. Basically, they got pissed in the 90s. They're like, we're bad. He did what we did. He got away with it. Now we can't find him. He's hiding. Yeah. I mean, so Joel and I have already talked about, number one, doing an episode on Sidney Gottlieb, uh, who is known as the dark sorcerer of the fucking CIA, number one. Number two, uh, we talk about doing J. Edgar Hoover as a villain as well, because he basically fucking is one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He really was. Like, our, uh, our government's a little bit shadier than we think. Sometimes criminals aren't as bad as we think. I mean, Whitey Bulger is a terrible piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, let's not get 
Uh, let's be fair, though. He died like a terrible piece of shit, too. And you know what's fucked up? I bet that old motherfucker, when he was sitting in that wheelchair before he started catching a fucking lock and a sock upside his fucking mail, and he was like, come on over here and do it then. Go fuck him. Yeah, I bet he was, too. This didn't seem like a man who be- would beg for his life. Nah, nah, not exactly. And and yeah, you, God, I can't believe you haven't watched Black Mask. You, immediately, as soon as this is over with, you better watch fucking Black Mask. God, you piece of shit. So he was caught in 2011 because of that anonymous tip, right? So, and when they caught him, like the people that had been ratting on him, because Kevin Weeks was like one of his closest guys was the dude who ratted on him. He's like, I got everything you could ever want. They got his enforcers. They got his hitmen. They got murderers to rat on Whitey Bulger. And every one of them was like, we're not a rat. (laughs) And you know who wasn't a rat? None of those guys. None of them. They were all, they were all definitely rats. Whitey Bulger is teetering because he didn't rat on any of them. And, and actually there is one guy out of the entire fucking group. That's not a rat. You know who the only person who didn't rat on somebody else was John Connolly, the FBI agent. Well, they arrested his ass and he got 40 years in prison and they tried to plea bargain with him to bring it down so he could get out and make a deal with him. So he'd rat on Whitey Bulger and he wouldn't fucking do it. Pretty sweet. He refused. Like that's a guy who went into the FBI to do what he did. Like, it seems like that was the intent. You know, it almost seems like that was the intent, which is kind of, if you look at The Departed, that's what Matt Damon does. Yeah, of course. But to be fair, when that guy gets out of prison, I don't know if he's, is he still in prison? Is he dead? Oh, yeah, he's still in prison. I don't think he's I was going to say, like, if and when he gets out, he's going to have a large sum of money waiting for him. He's going to have a large sum of money waiting. I don't think he will. I think. No? Whitey Bulger's dead. Yeah. So that means that everything else goes like everybody romanticizes these these lifestyles of these criminals and shit, but it's not the way it is. Like they're all they're all rich and all this stuff. But then the moment they get into any sort of legal trouble, dude, the government seizes all their funds. They don't have shit. That's true. Vinny Ocean was running a fucking strip club in Houston and then he got outed and fucking ran away. So, yeah. So he gets caught and he goes through the trial and apparently like he talked to him a whole lot during the trial, which confused his buddy who had been ratting on him. He's like, I don't know what he's trying to do here. He, he doesn't usually talk this much. He's telling you guys things and I don't understand. Like he's giving you information. And then he ended up being uh, convicted of 11 of the 19 murders. Uh, They got him for racketeering and all this other shit and gave him like five consecutive life sentences plus 12 minutes. And uh, that I've never understood. They just like, like, you're going to serve 43 consecutive life sentences plus 12 years. It's just like, but why? (laughs) You're not going to make it that long. Yeah. And he didn't make it in prison for long at all put into prison in 2013 uh, yeah something like that and the trial ended in 2013 and then he died in 2018 yeah he was moved. you say died he was bludgeoned to fucking death his eyes were cut out and his tongue was basically cut off yeah like, and they're still they don't know for sure who did it but they're pretty sure that it was like it was retribution from the mafia yeah. for him fucking him for 40 years yeah i mean like there are a lot of people out there that claim that the mafia is completely done and that it's I mean, the mafia is not done. No, it never will be. It never will be. It never, ever will be. I mean, I was actually reading some stuff recently where they have been catching a bunch of mobsters up around the New New York area and all that. And apparently, like, the, the, there's still gotties in the mafia. It, I don't know. I, I've been reading up on a little bit of it here and there. Organized crime. I mean, it's just like it is in... Fuck it. It's just Hydra. 
It's like you, you lock one up or kill one. It's like they're just more. Just more will come. Yeah. It's not going to stop. I know. And that's the thing. Like the And what's fucked up is what causes all of it, dude. It's just it's lack of education. Yeah. <laughs> and poverty. Poor people will fuck shit up to make money. And they're just getting smarter. Yeah. Well, now see that the mafia is like the shit that the mafia. That's why they keep saying the mafia is dead. And the same. This can be extended to the Irish mob, too. Oh, well, all of the vices and everything, like those are things they can't do. They can't run trash the way that they used to. They can't, uh, you know, sanitation or whatever you want to call it. They can't do all that anymore. They can't run the bookies the way that they used to because everything can be tracked and, and kept up with so much more easily because of the internet and everything. But they're still doing shit. They're never going to stop. It's not ever going to stop. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is an excuse to be like, fuck them, let them do whatever they want, and just let them go. But you're not going to stop it. I mean, you're just kind of poking holes in the, the leak. Yeah, pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's it's fucked up 11 murders oh yeah he oh, here i was reading on he actually was given for uh, his sentence it was found guilty on 31 counts including both racketeering charges he was hit with and he was involved in 11 murders out of the 19 they convicted him for and he got two consecutive life sentences plus five years not to mention i think it was conspiracy to commit murder extortion and narcotics distribution money laundering on top of those right yeah you know all the shit that the government does all the time yeah yeah on the daily (laughs) every day all right you ready to move on to frank costello oh yes let's talk about jack nicholson and one of my favorites that he's ever done so frank was created by william monahan and martin scorsese for the film the departed it's from 2006 best picture of the year if you guys haven't seen it Go watch it because it kicks ass. Yeah, and Scorsese is my favorite director. I will say that out loud any chance that I get. And I would like to go on. This is the first time I've been able to go on record about this. And I want to talk about all of my fellow nerds who gave Martin Scorsese shit for shitting on Marvel movies. You shut the fuck up. (laughs) And you know why you can shut the fuck up? Martin Scorsese can do whatever he wants. That's true. He has earned that right. If he wants to say, you know what, a superhero movie is kind of lame, guess what? Okay. Yeah. He can do that. You know what he did that no one else did? Goodfellas. The Departed. Raging Bull. Wolf of Wall Street. Raging Bull. Like, come on. When, okay, when you make any of those movies, you can come back and you can say, fuck you, Martin Scorsese, for not liking (laughs) Iron Man. Because that's really what it is. They're like, he doesn't like Iron Man. I mean, who gives a shit? Like, movies are just so subjective anyway that, like, Ah. to shit on somebody else for not liking or liking movies, it's just okay. Yeah, I I can't wait. I can't wait for you to tell me that this has been posted and for you to tell me about any sort of feedback that you got. They're like, oh, this asshole you had on there talking (laughs) about this movie sucks and Whitey Bulger and this and that and Black Mass was stupid and I came here for true crime, not (laughs) masturbating. Look, I'm masturbating right now. That reviewer was basically like the Air Force to Whitey Bulger. It's like, yeah, we may have just beaten the shit out of a bunch of people, but you don't hate us that much. You still gave us two stars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I came here for true true crime, not masturbating, but maybe a little, two stars worth of masturbating. Maybe a little bit of masturbating. Slight amount of masturbating. You spit on it and tugged it a couple of times, you know, at least. All right, so back to Frank Costello. Uh, as we already said, <laughs> he's loosely based on Whitey Bulger and uh, actually Han Sam. And he's a villain of Internal Affairs, which is a 2002 Chinese mobster movie, which is The Departed is actually almost a scene-for-scene remake of that movie from what I understand. 
I haven't seen it. I have not either, and I have heard the same thing. And I heard a lot of people say that it. Oh, he ripped them off. Like, no, I mean it was pretty much known from the start that that he adapted that screenplay from that movie. Right. He was basically like, not enough people have seen this movie. I'm just going to remake it. Yeah. To where Americans will go see it, and that happened a lot. Because who who was in that? Was that a movie with Chow Yun Fat in it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If- I, th- I think that he might have been in that because like what is it with movies with Chow Yun-Fat in it that were made in Hong Kong back in the day and directors going and ripping them just the, and then getting Academy Awards for them yeah it's fucking Quentin Tarantino does Reservoir Dogs and is like this is definitely not that Hong Kong movie that came out <laughs> and then everyone's like what are you talking about he's like oh nothing yeah and, then, and everybody went and looked up that Hong Kong movie they're like hey what the fuck <laughs> and then he's like no it's not yeah. it clearly is let me let me smell your feet or lick your feet or see your feet. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> so, uh, Jack Nicholson, Frank Costello. Like, uh, first off, The Departed is one of my favorite movies. It's absolutely amazing. I love Jack Nicholson. I love how creepy his voice sounds in that movie. It's almost like they added like uh, some Barry White boom to him, especially at the beginning when he's given that narration where he's like, "I don't want to be a product of my environment." my environment to be a product to me i think that's just old man jack nicholson i think that's just his voice <laughs> he's 83 he might believe that so a little bit about the character he's an irish american mob boss that rules the irish neighborhood of south boston um as its crime kingpin he uses a mole inside the stadies to uh, to avoid having his operations interfered with uh, and his mole is actually kind of like we were talking about earlier he's a 10 year old child or he was a 10 year old child that costello took under his wing to help him do small crimes to start out and then like kind of grooms him into this uh into this mold to infiltrate the state police and help manipulate the department uh, around the crime lord's activities so that he could control what they did and did not see you know and what they didn't did not find out about Frank Costello and his operation i want to make a complaint about the departed and i think this is more an editing problem than an actual movie problem there are some like little plot holes in the movie that you can tell there's a scene you know there's something missing yeah they never explain anything about frank costello being a rat other than he's a fucking rat like that's it that's the extent of it's a plot point that's like a a two-second fart it's like And so they're like, oh, yeah, Costello's a rat. It's mentioned like three times in the movie for five seconds each time. So it's weird how that's kind of like a huge driver for the whole movie, but it's not really talked about. And that, to me, I don't feel like that was intentional. Yeah, it's like it wasn't fleshed out enough. Yeah, it was like they just didn't didn't really, or they cut some scenes out where it would have. Because, I mean, that was a long movie. Uh, it is a good movie, though. It's It does not feel as long as it is, because it's like two and a half hours long. One thing a little bit different about Costello is that he was pretty old in the movie. He was like around, I think his character was 70. And typically, when they get this age, they pass off a lot of the dirty deeds to some of the younger capos, you know, people like that. Like, in this movie, he basically directly managed all the crime affairs. And that's what Whitey Bulger did. Like, anytime people needed to be killed, Whitey Bulger went and killed him himself. And... In a way, if you think about it, like it's it's super risky, but it limits the number of people that know what the fuck happened. So, and Frank Costello in the movie was doing that shit too, but you could tell like there's a scene in the movie where Matt Damon meets with, uh, or, or Colin is his character's name. Colin meets with Costello in the <laughs> the adult theater, and he pulls out the big, great big uh, Jack Nicholson pulls out the big fake dildo right. in the middle of it. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. And he says in that movie, he's like, why are you running drugs? You don't need the fucking money, Frank. 
And Jack Nicholson, he's like, to tell you the truth, I haven't needed the money since I took Archie's lunch money or milk money in the third grade. And he's like, I haven't needed pussy either, uh, but I like it. Yeah, he's addicted to money. Like, Yeah, he's like straight up, he's like, I like fucking shit. This is, I enjoy it. I enjoy the chaos and the money and the insanity because there's so much shit. And I actually think my favorite character in that movie is French, which is uh, Frank Costello's right-hand man. Frank Costello and French murder two people. And then when one of them falls over, <laughs> Frank Costello goes, Jesus, she fell funny. And he's like, you really ought to see somebody, <laughs> you know, like he's like, you talk to someone, you weird fuck. Like he just murdered someone and he's looking over at a guy, someone with him and saying, you have a problem. Fucking psychopath. <laughs> what the also, fuck? Costello unknowingly brings a mole into his own organization uh, I mean, he puts him through like a brutal initiation first. Yeah. Basically, he's just, he doesn't catch on that this guy is a, now a mole from the police in his organization. Yep. and Which was Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Yeah. Right, right, of course. And through these events, basically the moles become aware that each other are there, but they just don't know who each other are. So while that's going on, you know, Costello's making arrangements for this cocaine drop-off and his mole in the police calls him and tells him, you know, the police are telling him. Costello basically just tells him to fucking lose the tail and, you know, doesn't cancel his drop, doesn't do it. He's just like, uh, you handle this. Matt Damon's character is like, he's done trusting Costello. Like, he finds out that he's a rat and he's like, I, I can't trust this guy anymore. And he's going to end up outing me as the rat. Yeah, and that's, and that's what he was afraid of. He was going to out him. So then Matt Damon's character turns around and he's like, I'm going to turn this situation to my advantage. And now thing there is to know about Costello I'm going to be able to point them to exactly where they need to go and I'll get to take this guy down and I'll get to take all the fucking credit right there's a reason that lawmen refer to the law as the biggest mob there is yeah and then Leonardo DiCaprio of course has been you know keeping all those tapes and stuff that he had recorded and there's a little bit of a plot hole to discuss there in the movie there for for a moment because about halfway through or uh, maybe not that way, but Leonardo DiCaprio is wearing a wire and then he takes the wire off and like throws it down the fucking uh, drain because Frank Costello is sitting across with him, from him with like a severed hand, just waving it around like it's a toy, you know, and it's freaking him out. And he's like, yeah, this dude's crazy. I'm not wearing a fucking wire. But then like at the end of the movie, he's like, fuck yes, I got all these tapes and shit. And I was wondering where that came from. So it's like, huh, maybe there were bugs and stuff like that that we were unaware of. Like I said, there's a couple of little plot holes in the movie that bother me. But going back to Frank Costello, dude, some of the shit that he does in the movie is nowhere near as insane as what Whitey Bulger did. <laughs> well, there's a quote that he has in the movie that I remember specifically liking a whole lot. I think he's talking to, to DiCaprio's character and he says, you can learn a lot watching things eat. Yeah. It's basically him sizing up everyone around him. Like, and he ends up noticing that he's never seen DiCaprio's character eating and it makes him kind of question the dedication. It alludes that he's like, Friend or foe, he's always watching. Yeah, yeah. Friend or foe, always watching. Leonardo DiCaprio never eats means that Jack Nicholson always has his eye on like the whole time. Like he's like even more. He never, never trusted Leonardo DiCaprio's character for like the first half of the movie. Like he was constantly talking about him being a rat. And then DiCaprio cornered him. He's like, if you fucking call me a rat again, I'm going to fucking end you. <laughs> and then from then on, like Costello was like, I like this guy. I trust him more than everybody. Fooled you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jack Nicholson, had, you know, Frank Costello's character had uh, his, you know, little fail safe. 
he had all the info about Matt Damon's character hidden away, saying that he was his mole and all that stuff. And but, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about more than one criminal and more than one supervillain probably created by MK Ultra. A lot of these guys, like the real life guys, are way worse than the movies they're based off of. Well, yeah. They have to fit into the rating somehow. They can't just... They can't make the whole movie just murdering people. I don't think so. I think they do it so that you're more likely to empathize character. Yeah, that's probably fair, especially after The Sopranos came out. They saw what a success that was making an, uh, a villain that was kind of a likable villain. And they're like, oh, well, we can do this with other mobsters. I think there's a bit of psychology there with, with those types of movies and TV shows where you begin to empathize and sympathize with these incredibly corrupt, and evil just fucked up people because if you look at everything if you break it down just in brass tacks using tony soprano everything he did was business and people can relate to that sometimes you just got to do shit that you don't like in business and the shit that they have to do in their business when they don't want to do it you know the shit they don't want to do is fucking murder the fuck out of but they'll do it i think there's still a couple of mobsters out there that you just can't make likable like babyface nelson or al capone al capone's one of my favorite ga gangsters he invented expiration dates on food that was him no straight up he was so mad that uh, back when he was in chicago during you know the depression during prohibition in the poor neighborhoods where of course capone did the majority of his business and all that and where he knew everybody all the kids who were getting milk delivered to their house, by the time that the milkmen would arrive to deliver the milk, since they didn't have refrigerated trucks and all, all the milk would be damn near spoiled. So these kids were left without milk. So Al Capone started putting expiration dates. He wanted them to put expiration dates on the milk bottle. But again, it's just like Whitey Bulger. It's just like Frank Costello. They would do things within the community that would make them loved. They would help people out. They'd give people money. They'd make sure that kids had, you know, school clothes they would do all this insane stuff none of it was to be nice none of it was to just be kind or to help their community they were doing it so people wouldn't fucking rattle we did an episode over a, a guy a few months ago uh cheats actually joined in on the podcast i think the guy's name was uh kenichi he's been like the leader of the largest clan of yakuza for 40 50 years or something like that and like he cut a guy's fucking head off with a katana but he also hands out halloween candy to kids yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean, just because these people are evil doesn't mean they don't breakfast just like the rest of us. Damn, you know, they celebrate holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Al Capone celebrated the shit out of Valentine's Day. Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. I think we can uh, uh, both agree on Babyface Nelson being a total cunt, though. Oh, there, there's absolutely no redeeming quality about that asshole. <laughs> just obnoxious. There, there really aren't any... In redeeming qualities for frank costello or for whitey bulger like i can't be too mad about all the stuff whitey bulger did because he just mainly fucked up a, a whole bunch of criminals and i'll laugh at people that fall off bikes so i'm definitely not going to give a shit if two criminals fuck each other yeah. like okay all right well that's one less asshole i have to worry about and traffic might be a little bit better on the way to work tomorrow oh, there you go real quick before we get to the bowler hat scale uh i do want to talk about Costello's ending because because he was an informant like and we talked about Matt Damon's character kind of like freaking out at this point and turning the the cops against him he basically just kills him like he now Costello does try to kill him first yeah but it, it was already going to happen Costello had already been shot at that point too 
and everybody in Costello's gang is dead, you know, and the, the, the only person that's left alive from his gang is actually Matt Damon. So there's nobody left to fucking rat on Costello. Anyway. So at that point, Matt Damon pretty much knew that he would be scot-free if he took down Frank and he did. And then he got caught anyway, because he was dumb by Marky Mark. And this is one of those movies that it's, yeah, it's very much a tragedy. Every main character in that movie died, you know, because if you think about it, like Mark Wahlberg's character, he got nominated for best supporting actor, I think, uh, because he was actually one of the only actors in the movie that I didn't think was very, like, I felt like he was really, really like, over dramatizing himself and he's from fucking boston and i was like why are you acting like fake mark Wahlberg? like just be mark Wahlberg. <laughs> fark Wahlberg. yeah fark Wahlberg. <laughs> but yeah i mean frank costello in the movie is pretty brutal overall he's crazy he's crazy he, he's unpredictable he's real crazy they talk in the movie about like he's spooky he's doing weird shit he's covered in blood he's just walking out in front of 50 people and all that stuff just covered in blood murdering the fuck out of anybody and like i think one of the lines from that movie that sticks with me is how crazy his character is when he's trying to figure out who the rat is and he's got Leonardo DiCaprio in that restaurant, that bar scene, you know, when he actually says the line of, you know, you learn a lot by watching things eat. Right. He also says like during that time, he's talking to me, he's like, you know, back a long time ago, uh, I just would have killed everybody and started over, you know? And that's like, it just shows how crazy he is. Like that was, he didn't do that because he was just, nah, I don't feel like it. You, know, you could tell he's like, he shot, he thought about it, but then he's like, man, I don't feel like going. So, Let's go ahead and move on to the bowler hat scale. We, we rate it 1 to 10, and, and you can say 10 is like people like Genghis Khan or we put Richard Chase real close up to, toward the top. Dahmer is, of course, up close to, to, close to the top. And then down at the 1s and 2s, you know, you got people like D.B. Cooper. And last week, Phil put the, uh, the Russian scientist who killed dogs but saved a lot of other people uh, around 3, you know, like that. But... Where do you put Whitey Bulger and Frank Costello? I'll say as far as like Whitey Bulger is concerned, and I'm not even basing this off of the crimes up to and including murder that he committed and was convicted of, but just based upon the fact that this man not only manipulated an entire city, but he also manipulated all local government and the federal government, including one of his childhood friends, who was his FBI handler for years, for years, and then escaped the government and apprehension for 16 years when he was a senior fucking citizen. Right. He was 81 years old when he got caught. 81 fucking years old. He has been fucking with the government. They caught him because he was too fucking old and tired to run anymore. It was plain, plain and simple. They didn't catch him. He got tired. <laughs> he was old. That dude probably would have dropped the fuck dead had they not caught him because of that anonymous tip. They'd have just found him dead somewhere and be like, hey, we found one. Right. That's probably what would have happened. So I'd say based off of that alone, I would give, I'm going to give him a fucking eight. An eight. An eight. Dude, he, I mean, the yeah. whole government. <laughs> the whole government. And, and then you figure in the murders. Yeah. And then, and then the murders too. Like he, he was convicted of 11. Now, if a guy that's in, organized crime is convicted of so many murders i feel like this is one of those and then add some more to yeah, it oh for sure kind of deals oh, like sure. he got caught for 11 there's a whole bunch more that he also did or ones that he was there for it's like the myth about how you know when guys say how many women they that they've slept with you you always like cut that in half yeah it's like oh i've had sex with 18 women so you mean three <laughs> 
Well, I mean, half of 18 is not three, Mark. You do know this, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's always like a very gross exaggeration, but I feel oh, of course. the opposite side of that, you know, the polar opposite. Now, Jack Nicholson, as far as a villain goes um, in that movie, I think I'd give him about a seven because he wasn't quite as crazy as real life Whitey Bulger, uh, but one of my favorite roles, and he plays it like such a craze. Like he, he enjoys everything that he does in that movie. And that just, that's so scary. I think I'll probably agree with you on there. You, you know, with most of the mobsters that we've done, I don't think many of them have been as vicious as this. You know, Vinny Ocean definitely wasn't. Kenichi, you know, he, uh, he cut off some guy's head with a katana. But uh, I guess he was pretty fucking, vi- I mean, he led the Yakuza. <laughs> that's, the biggest, the biggest part of the Yakuza. Like, so, and I gave him, I think, a five or a six. So I'll give this guy, give him like a seven. Probably a seven, seven point. I'll give uh, Frank Costello six, six. Yeah, I like six. Yeah, I can see that. Now, you know, of course, I, I haven't listed those or everything, so I don't have a lot of base comparison for the bowler hat ratings. Uh, it's true. It's tough. It's, it's, it's subjective because, you know, you just, you have to think about the people that are on it and it's like, you know, Leatherface was like eight or nine. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And then if, and if you really think, you go back to like Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre killed like three people. Yeah, I mean, it's Leatherface the character. Like him throughout. Yeah. Like, ten yeah. Years. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and Whitey Bulger lived until he was 89. Yeah. And he was a motherfucker for all 89 years. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think this goes back to just like the kind of things. Because up until the Black Mass movie came out, I had never really heard much about Whitey Bulger other than like his name popping up here and there and knowing that he was a criminal. That was about it. Right. But then when I started kind of reading into a lot of the Irish mob and stuff, his name would pop up in just about everything that, that I read or found or whatever. Jesus, just he did so much for so long. But then you look at somebody like Ed Gein, who was only actually convicted of killing like two people, yeah. but has been remembered for 70 plus years now or 60 years in comparison to like the, over the course of time and some of the shit that they did, Whitey Bulger fucked up. He, he changed how law enforcement dealt with criminals, you know, like it it was everything that he did caused some sort of huge ordeal with the federal government and the FBI. And the fact that like the reason that he even got caught to begin with was because journalists started digging into Whitey Bulger and they found out about the fact that the FBI fucked up. Like they, they figured that out. They're like, the FBI's fucked up. We found all this stuff. So they got called out by the newspapers. That's how they got caught. So they didn't even like figure it out themselves. They got caught. So they got fucked and bamboozled twice by the media and by fucking Whitey Bulger. I mean, that's what we're here for though. Villain awareness. Yes. Villain awareness week. (laughs) 2020. It's always Villain Awareness Week for this podcast. Yeah, and the curly mustache. The mustache. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. The curly mustache podcast. <laughs> mustache. Ooh. No, I hate it. How do you think it curls? <laughs> All right. So thank you for tuning in to episode 44 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, Mark, thank you for podcasting with me. It's been a long time. I really had fun hanging out with yeah, you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. For- so come back and we'll talk about more people that are in the mob and also fuck their parents' heads and all that good stuff. So Yeah, and when we finish the podcast here, I'm going to go uh, five-star masturbate. 
<laughs> excellent, excellent. Oh man, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate you. Yeah, man, it was it was fun. So if you want to tell your friends about us, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, pretty much any of the other major podcast platforms. Um, you can also find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, oh, and Twitter. Hit us up on there. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, but mostly just if you have friends that like podcasts about true crime and pop culture, just spread the word. And uh, that's sufficient enough for me. I got one more thing to say because I just thought about it. So a little bit of uh, I, I love the coincidence here, and I didn't do this on purpose. The fact that we have been talking about Irish mobsters and, and Irish mobsters and movies and Joel is now trapped forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're going to pay Irish mobsters to kill him. Real Irish Yes. Ah, uh, real ones. Like, for real ones. Yes. I can't wait. If you want to check out some other podcasts from United Cipher, you can check out uh, Motion Picture Meltdown. You can check out Music Video Countdown. Or go back and listen to older episodes of Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, and Fallout Forecast. And then lastly, check out some podcasts from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Mark. That is me. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>